All right, so let's make it plain. Welcome back to Make It Plain Wayne, where we will entertain, we will heal, and we will build you up. I am Wayne, <laughs> and this is Elevated Friendship. Now, today I want to tackle a topic that, I mean, this is a fun one. This is this is fun for me. DC versus Marvel. And you say, why, why, why do you want to come at this? Why do you want to attack this? Well, I see people coming at it in pieces. And I feel like to really do it justice, you have to look at the four corners and I limited it to just four. Those four corners are directing, acting, TV and movies. Now there have been epic success on every level. There has been epic failure on each level. But I never see you big brains out there that know these topics and and situations way better than me I haven't seen anybody attack it as a whole. Now, if you want to attack it in pieces, I get it. I understand. But I I see the YouTube subscribes and the pages and and the podcasts. And I've even seen the breakdowns on uh, on the shows on AMC. And I don't know. I just I don't feel like we're giving all the love and all the, you know, criticism that is well deserved. Um, and and if, if what we're looking at is who develops and adapts the product the best to a certain uh, uh, TV show, cartoon, um, you know, as a director, as an actor um, in that TV show or in that movie, you know, I feel like it's really hard to say throughout time who really has done the better job. Um, and, and if it sounds like I'm not saying there is a clear winner. Hold on. Hold on. Now, you'll have to please enjoy me. Uh, Join me. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, enjoy me. (laughs) Please join me in raising the windows up, enjoying this beautiful weather. I've got the birds chirping. My windows are open. It's beautiful out here. I mean, the weather I've asked for for the last six months is finally here and I'm losing my mind. I'm outside. I'm running stairs. I'm at the track. Uh, I I take my daughter to the park. I'm trying to get as much just fresh oxygen as I can because this winter. Oh, my God. I was boy. I was bound. (laughs) So I am loving this. Please partake in it and enjoy. You might hear a car passing by. I'm, I'm probably going to shut this down as soon as I get done and and head back to the track and go back out and and just explore and enjoy this beautiful weather. Um, But DC versus Marvel, DC was all we had on on the big scale, the the giant scale, as far as movies. I'm going to stick with with movies as the heart of this talk, but I'm going to branch out to the shows and, and directors and actors. DC was all we had as a known comic book universe and it started with superman faster than the speeding bullet more powerful than a locomotive and i mean he did everything that you would expect a superhero to do i mean bullets are bouncing off his chest i mean he can fly fast enough to reverse time you know he loves a woman deeply and passionately and, and if you don't know the backstory on how the creators created Superman, please look that up. If you if, if you got the S tattooed on your shoulder or you wear it on your chest, please look that up. Because those of you that have husbands, 
I'm sorry, those of you that have wives and your husbands, or maybe your husband, <laughs> those of you who have somebody that you care about deeply, that motivates you and pushes you, you'll understand the Lois Lane character so much more when you know the real story. And I feel like the, the actress portraying Lois Lane did an excellent job of that, not just showing how uh, driven she was to get the story, but the human side of, of these characters and these big parts of what drives a character's love and passion to help and do the things that they do. But like I said, Superman was all we had. And you later get to Batman <laughs> and he was the vigilante that was doing everything that we thought a hero should do. So you have one that's invincible pretty much that can do everything you want to do as a superhero with all these special powers. And then you have one on the ground that's doing everything that you expect a superhero to do. Now, Batman, as far as I know, doesn't have any special powers. Now, in later in the, in the comic books, I've seen him get things that are, you know, pretty amazing. But martial arts, top notch, check. Gadgets, top notch, check. Batmobile, top notch, check. <laughs> Batwing, top notch, check. And when Michael Keaton jumped into this role, he put it on fully. 100%, he lacked nothing. And there were little scenes in the movie, like him flying up to the moon and showing the bat symbol and then flying back down. I mean, Tim Burton, he, he directs and he's great in everything he does. But when you know you've got something that no one else has, you better use it. Don't stop, get it, get it. <laughs> Put your back into it. <laughs> so... When you get a product like that, you have got to work the muscle and the tendon and every fiber out of it. And he did that, not just with the first Batman, but Batman Returns as well. And Michael Keaton, I hope you all understand this. At the time that Michael Keaton got his position as Batman, he was the equivalent to a Seth Rogen a Jimmy Kimmel, a Jimmy Fallon, uh, Zac Efron. He, he was equivalent to, um, who else? Maybe Ryan Reynolds even. He was Mr. Mom. He was Beetlejuice. Later, Multiplicity. And then after that, Birdman. And now we see in uh, Spider-Man uh, uh, Homecoming, The Vulture. I mean, he's a great actor. He does exactly what his title says. He acts. A-C-T-S. <laughs> so DC was all we had. There is no Marvel talk in here at all. I mean, you'd have to go to a comic book to even talk about Marvel at this time. Batman and Superman were on such a large scale. Now, shame on us for typecasting because... Superman, Christopher Reeves, it was really hard for him to find work after this. And we do this to our actors even now, where the products and the monster of this role is so big that you live in its shadow forever. Same thing with athletes. You, you can't even see that after they left the court, 
after the, the film is, is shot and done, they have families. Same thing with comedians. They have families. They have lives. Like they're not, you know, they're not Superman all day. They're not Captain America all day. They've just done such a miraculous job with that character that that's all you can see. Same thing with, you know, these these athletes, you know, they, they, they want to do more than just dribble a basketball. And I'm, trust me, their knees will, will tell you that. <laughs> but DC had it all, which honestly, I, I hate to say it, it, it kind of it kind of created more of a downward spiral for them because to be at the top of what, you know, it was like Mount Olympus, Mount Kilimanjaro, to be at the very top of the mountain, it, it made it so that everything after that essentially put it in the ugly phase. And I'll explain the ugly phase later because Marvel definitely had an ugly phase as well. But these movies were all that there was. And... <laughs> Like I said, you didn't have any Marvel uh, conversation at this time. And it would be years before we would have another, you know, successful DC, uh, you know, run of films. And <laughs> man, I'm just, I'm, it's just blowing my mind. All this is coming back to me. Once you lose a certain director... And, and you change over, you know, your production team, your products, you do lose a lot. And, and in, in, in terms of Batman and Superman, um, these actors and actresses, they aren't going to stay on forever. Neither is the director. They have, they have other things to do. Their mind is bigger than this character, this universe, and this role. And in DC's case, I hate to say it, we're, we're seeing this now more than ever, DC lovers, DC fans, DC directors that are, are, are coming up, please remember to show us something new. We've had five Bruce Waynes and about that many uh, Superman. No, no, three Superman. So show us something new. If you haven't realized already, Marvel is absolutely running the table because they know how to show us something new and different that we haven't seen before. We had to grow and, 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 and pain with Iron Man. We, we'd never seen all this. The Avengers, Gardens of the Galaxy, Black Panther, Captain Marvel, the Black Widow character, the Scarlet Witch character, Iron uh, 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 War Machine, Cap, uh, Winter Soldier, We've never seen these people. So DC, please take this as a note. This is how you do it. You all have the creative juices and the energy to do whatever you want. And that's why I, I saw later they had to grab, you know, Zack Snyder from 300 to start doing Batman, uh, Man of Steel, and then Batman versus Superman. You kind of needed that, mm, that stick the chest out, loud, you know, full throttle Superman that's, that's got the muscle. He's buff. You know, he's got that axe cologne, you know, naturally oozing from his pores. <laughs> he's, you know, he's got, it's like, he's got a, a stick of beef jerky. He's just got so much testosterone. He's got, you know, beef jerky under his cape or something. So <laughs> yeah, I'm going wild here. So I'm sorry, but DC was all we had. Then 
Who is this? Blade? What's Blade? Is he like a vampire killer? Oh. What does he do with the blade? Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes. Now, those of you that don't know, <laughs> to this day, Wesley Snipes could still play the part of, I want to say easily, of Falcon, Black Panther, Killmonger, pretty much any martial artist you've seen in the, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe or DC Cinematic Universe, Wesley Snipes can play them and play them with ease. It's, it's, it's not about just saying who's better and, and who's good and who you like. It's, it's something that martial artists train for. They train for the ability out of their bodies and movements because of the art. It, it's not really about impressing people. It's not really about winning titles and belts. It's something that they train for for their life. Now, they're not going to get out there and, and fight and train the same way they would when they were 25 at 55 and 75. But these are still very well apt and, and in shape people. They're, they're amazing people. And many of the martial artists from this time that Wesley Snipes came from are still out here doing it. You can't say that for all the actors that looked the way they looked 20 and 30 years ago today. And a lot of these martial arts actors do. So it, it's just impressive. But Blade comes along. We're still in VHS. We're still using VCRs to watch our movies. This hard plastic that looks like a, a tablet, <laughs> but it's not a tablet. It's a piece of plastic with the tape pre-wound all the way to the left that you will watch for an hour, hour and a half, three hours. And then when the tape winds all the way to the right, you have to rewind it all the way back to the left, which takes about five minutes, three minutes. You can pop your popcorn and watch it again. There's no menu button. There's no skip button to go back a couple scenes. You have to tell your little sister, your little brother, hit rewind. <laughs> Which, you know, for me, you know, watching all those Batman movies, I wanted to be like Batman. So I'm trying to make a ghetto zip line down the stairs and try not to, you know, wake up my mom or, you know, make her mad and, you know, get whooped, get beat up and almost killed. And then in the process, you know, <laughs> you know, get killed again. So, you know, Blade comes along in these movies and <laughs> we hadn't seen anything like this before. Now, Marvel, um, Marvel really hadn't had anything since uh, it was Howard the Duck, the Punisher and Captain America. Now, yeah, you're like, what? Yeah, 1986. Howard the Duck. This is this is all they had. So in between the Superman movies and the Batman movies, Marvel drops Howard the Duck on us. And then there was a 1989 Punisher, very dark, Dolph Lundgren, a.k.a. Ivan Drago. He played this part very well, very well. But it was very dark. It was very gritty. I don't think anybody was really ready for it yet. We were still in a place where Superhero was something that you equated to sunlight and the darkness and, and the treachery of losing a family to, you know, hitman style to a mob style. That really wasn't something you could really put, you know, your money behind and, and, and get behind. 
Not the same way they, you know, had Superman and Batman. But Wesley Snipes played this part to the fullest of his ability. Now, say what you want about his acting ability. Say what you want about his martial arts ability. This thing was a hit. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, anybody from the age of 16 to 30 at this time watched this movie. If they were a Wesley Snipes fan, watch this Blade movie at least, has seen this movie at least five times. At least. End to end. From the do 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 from the beginning blood slash scene to the very end when let's get out of here when he <laughs> classic classic comic book line when the movie's over the big bad is dead let's get out of here Wesley Snipes killed it I, I loved it I, I had so much fun with this movie all the kids that I knew thought they were Blade you do his kicks and punches and the development, directing, acting was superb in this. And this was a character that looked like Bill Cosby in the cart. And, and I'm sorry, in the comics, he looked like Bill Cosby with with a, a tool belt and tool set that was reminiscent to you know, kind of something you would see from, you know, like a 70s version, uh, Indiana Jones. So... <laughs> It was it was awesome to see, you know, Blade and, and then later Blade 2, you know, later. But this was a very gritty, grounded and you know, I, I won't say violent because a lot of these films are violent. I mean, there's punching, fighting, stabbing. Some people die. It was a more grounded and gritty universe. And I've even seen the argument that it had it not been for Blade, a uh, gentleman made a beautiful video on this, had it not been for Blade showing the dark reality that we were currently in you know we've got movies like the matrix coming out and you know you've got rounders and and all these films by uh, all these directors that are going dark now had it not been for films like that i mean i don't i don't think we could get to the clean beautiful parts that you know we see now so they completely changed his outfit where, you know, maybe that was on Wesley Snipes part or the costume designers part. You know, I don't know, but it was beautiful what they did. It was excellent, shot well, and <laughs> I'm just going to I'm just going to run this down here. So 1998 Blade, 2000 X-Men, 2002 Blade 2, Spider-Man. 2003, Daredevil, X-Men 2, Hulk, 2004, The Punisher, new one, Spider-Man, uh, Spider-Man 2, I'm sorry, uh, Blade Trinity, and then 2005, you have Elektra, Fantastic Four, 2006, X-Men The Last Stand, 2007, Ghost Rider, Spider-Man 3, Fantastic Four, uh, S Silver Surfer, I'm just going to stop there. There were some definite hits and misses in there. Remember I talked about, um, you know, the ugly time? And hopefully I mentioned it. DC definitely went through their ugly time. Because having products so great as the first two Superman and the first two Batman movies, 
they were so great and done so well where it's like once the directing changes, the acting changes, any of it, the film and the production really suffers. And this is a learning experience. So if you aren't an actor, you can't criticize actors. If you aren't a director, you can't criticize directors. If you haven't produced, made a score for a film or produced any uh, uh, costumes for a film, don't criticize it as if you know it well enough to get paid for it as a job. It is difficult. And so I hope you all understand that it is difficult. But public perspective, those first two movies for for Superman and Batman, they created the top of the Mount Everest. And it was it's almost as if they've they've never gotten back to that together. Um, but like I said, I'm going to pause <laughs> because after Blade, X-Men comes in right in the same fashion. Dark leather fighting on top of the Statue of Liberty, at, 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 you know, looked like midnight. <laughs> and I was wondering, you know, what happened to the cartoon uh, uh, costumes, the, the blue and yellow for Wolverine, the, you know, known colors that I had seen. They just didn't translate well. They didn't adapt well. Now, me personally, seeing the success of companies like Under Armour and then the, uh, you know, outfits, compression shorts, things that I see with Nike, I think it would be kind of cute and doable to see these athletes, I'm sorry, not athletes, actors in workout gear that looks similar to their costumes. Now, with the Fantastic Four, it's different because those are space uniforms. But they changed it. It was probably better they didn't talk to me for this uh, scenario because they changed it and it was it was much more rooted, more grounded. I liked it. You know, I definitely liked it. Um, so X-Men, yes. Blade 2, yes. Spider-Man, definitely yes. That trio of movies, girls loved that Tobey Maguire. He was like a cute puppy. They just loved him and ate him up, and he was such a great choice for this role. And and my favorite is uh, Spider-Man 2, where he fights Doc Ock. I had never seen a fight choreography that allowed fighting something with eight limbs. Now, choreographing Spider-Man alone is hard. Don't they? <laughs> if you haven't done it, like I said, if you haven't done it, don't try to criticize. Choreographing for Spider-Man alone has got to be hard for all three films. But to choreograph a fight with something that has eight limbs that can move at speeds that we're not used to with all eight limbs. That impressed me. It just impressed me so much. That one is my favorite. And and having to, to be challenged and go up against a mentor. This is not new. This happens. Happens all the time. Best friends fight, mentors fight, uh, uh, families fight. It's not new. So to see that in that second one, great. The third finished up well. They made some no-nos. They changed a lot of things. Um, and, and I think that's later why we got our own Venom movie um, because of some of the things they changed. I won't say all that they changed, but Daredevil... I liked it. Not too many people did. X-Men 2, phenomenal. Phenomenal. Out of those three, 
the the trio X Men X Two and then uh, X Men The Last Stand. X Men Two was the best. I'm not just saying that because I'm a sequel, because I'm the second. Some people call me Junior. I'm not just saying that because I'm a sequel. <laughs> X Men Two was phenomenal, and the opening scene set the whole tone for me. Now it's scary to it's scary to see an attack on a president at any time. But the way this was filmed was done to perfection. Nightcrawler as an assassin is maybe one of the most terrifying things in the world. An assassin that can teleport anywhere they can see is terrifying. He was inside the White House ready to assassinate the president in full coverage. The whole team was in there firing, shooting all their weapons and could not hit him, could not catch him. The martial arts, the acrobatics, the, the lethal moves that, that he was using and getting in and out of uh, what we know as, as our eyesight. This was phenomenal. And stuff like this is what made those films stick. And like I said earlier, DC, please take a note, show us something new. You've got a whole deck, 52, quote unquote. You've got a whole deck of characters to show us. And there is no reason why you can't explore any and all of them at any time. Look at our soap operas. Look at our TV shows. We've got Game of Thrones. We've got Young and the Restless. Uh, uh, shows in syndication. We've got Big Bang Theory. We've got... Uh, Matlock, uh, yeah, they're, <laughs> well, what do you need? Uh, Seinfeld, Married with Children. There's all these shows that go in all these different directions. Um, Family Matters, In the House, Moesha, uh, Living Single, Martin. I love Martin. People say I look kind of like him. <laughs> um, all these shows that go in different directions, they have n- not one reason has been put out there or have they been told to really do these shows? You, you just had to take a chance. But I'm going to come back here. <sighs> X2, phenomenal. X3, mm. I got to say, and, and this is this is coming from a family of uh, loving mama's boy. Uh, I love my family. I love my friends. These comic books are an extension of what I've seen in real life, and, and they're artistic and, and great visual. What they did in X-Men, uh, X-Men The Last Stand, you can just kind of tell they just weren't sure how to end it or what to do. And for me, that's hard because I never saw this in the in the comic books. I never saw this in in the cartoon. And if all the kids that grew up watching that cartoon, you know, serial, TV, X Men, it was done. It was a done deal. That was entertainment. That was the easiest entertainment. No Netflix. No Hulu. No subscriptions. No cable. You just turned it on and go. And the C. If you haven't seen it, hopefully I don't spoil it for you here. To see characters come to an end so violently, so nasty. It, it was kind of 
It was kind of like the snap before the snap with Thanos. And the thing is, if if you're going to take somebody away in a horrible, nasty fashion, you better have a plan to bring it back and make it right. And we're seeing that now. We know how to do that. But there were some hits and misses with this time. It was an ugly time for Marvel, and I don't think people realize that. So who am I talking about? These weren't ugly to me, but people didn't like them. So who, who was ugly in that time period? Um, the Hulk was, was in the ugly time. The Punisher was in the ugly time. Blade Trinity was definitely a part of that ugly time. And, and it's really sad because two actors that I love very much, Wesley Snipes and Ryan Reynolds, it, mm, I guess Wesley just, he had a way that he felt about these films and what he wanted to do. And, and the cast and crew just didn't get along and didn't like that. I'm hoping they can, you know, wrap things up. I would love to see Blade and, and, and Deadpool in the same shot in the same film at one point it'd be great to see that reunion but ugly time electra i love some jennifer garner love her beautiful wonderful ugly time <laughs> uh fantastic four ooh clobbering time ugly time <laughs> x-men the last stand we already you already know ghost rider ugly time now, the thing is, you can't predict as an actor how much CGI is going to be used and what will be directed and how it's directed. So please don't staple these movies to the actor's forehead and say failure. It's not their fault. You look on IMDb and look at how many shows and movies these actors are in. Some of these movies hurt their careers and it's not their fault. You act. A-C-T. <laughs> act. That's your job. It, it, it shouldn't hurt their careers. And then at the same time, the director gets to move along. You don't see their face. So you don't know whether they're attached to a, a failure or a flop when they get their next thing. You just know you like it. And there's been directors who have completely. I shouldn't say completely failed, because like I said, I'm not a director, but in public perception, there have been actors that have failed in roles and failed in productions that have come back with huge hits, roaring, amazing. But that X-Men The Last Stand and Ghost Rider, um, ugly time. Spider-Man 3, um, to some people that's an ugly time, but I had fun with it. I liked it. Like I said, I'm, I'm easy on these. I'm, I'm an easy win, but not for everybody. Fantastic Four Silver Surfer. Um... Ugly time. Sad. Sad, but ugly time. Now, I'm just going to say this. I'm going a little bit long here because we're talking DC versus Marvel. So if you need to pause, you need to stop. Please pause. Please stop. Come back. Do whatever you have to do. I'm at what normally would be the end of a podcast at this time. So you need to take a break. Go use the restroom. Go ahead. Pause it now. Go ahead and, you know, stop. Go for a walk. Or take me outside with you. <laughs> Go smell the, you know, beautiful air, the fresh leaves and, you know, that freshly cut lawn. You know, go ahead and enjoy that. But um, 
We picked it up very well in 2008 with Iron Man. We did have an Incredible Hulk. I've heard that Christopher Norton is hard to work with, but we did have an Incredible Hulk. And, you know, it was uh, it was beautiful. You know what they what they tried to do. Great job. Abomination. Great job. Punisher Warzone. They tried to really pick up as much as they wanted. Wolverine Origins. Uh, looks like they brought some ugly time back. I really liked these films. I really liked it. But the perception, ugly time. Iron Man 2, mm, uh-oh. That kind of ugly time? Now, that one did kind of struggle a little bit. But <laughs> I'm going to pause right there. Let's come back to DC for a second. Now, this is the Dark Knight slash Constantine era um, where DC is back now. And maybe we forgot about the Batman with the nipples and George Clooney. Maybe we forgot about the Batman that, that had to fight Jim Carrey. <laughs> and no disrespect, Val Kilmer played an excellent Batman in, uh, in Batman uh, Forever. I thought he did a great, did a great job. And I thought uh, Jim Carrey equally did a great job, but too much, just too much. They, they just, they poured too much into these, these special effects, the colors. It was really chunky, really gooey and, you know, too green, too bright, you know, and this is the Dark Knight. I mean, he's the Dark Knight. I've even seen a comic where he got mad at Green Lantern for showing too much light. So, yeah, the special effects and, you know, the editing looked really good if you're watching it on mute. But then once you put it all together, it's like, are they serious about all this? Like, it's, it, it was it was like something that you would find on SNL. And the director that directed Forever and directed Batman and Robin, they gave Batman the nipples. I know he's probably been persecuted for this many times, but how are you supposed to make these films? And how do you know but to go out there and fail, but to, you know, have those issues, <laughs> you know, where people can constantly critique you and bash you, you know? So we finally get to the Dark Knight era. Christopher Nolan, the Nolan brothers, brought us a Batman with Christian Bale that wow just wow and if you know what the nolans were doing in movies around this time and you've seen inception you've seen interstellar you've seen memento you've seen uh God, i'm leaving a movie out great gatsby if you've seen these movies wait great gatsby i'll have to double check that if you've seen the nolan brothers movies and you know what they're capable of and you know what they're doing it just fits so well. And he he uses some of the characters, uh, uh, the Nolan brothers use some of the characters from their movies in every production, which is beautiful. I love that. Christian Bale did Equilibrium and The Machinist before auditioning for Batman and made it very plain. Make it plain. If you don't pick me for this role, you'll be losing out on the opportunity of a lifetime. Now, Equilibrium is exactly how 
if you wanted to put on your resume, hey, I did Equilibrium. I'm here for Batman. Equilibrium was the perfect film to show anyone that you wanted to be Batman. He was essentially Batman before even being Batman. He had a gun kata, which is, if you're familiar with karate, the kata is a form and series of movements that mimics a martial arts pattern in fighting, that mimics movements that you learn. And he had a gun with it. In the end of the movie, he uses a samurai sword. Samurai, crime fighting, He's already Batman. And he's wearing this dark outfit. You got to see this movie. He never smiles. That's Batman. <laughs> now, to get to that, there was another role he had in between Equilibrium and Batman, the machinist. If you don't know, Christian Bale walked around as a heavier man in a, early in his life, her, uh, a heavier guy. To play Equilibrium, which is how you see him now, he's probably like 6'1 or so, maybe like 190 pounds, which is a good size for a man. Um, he goes from that to dropping 30 and 40 pounds to play the machinist. And if you saw this, he looked bad. I mean, it was like kind of what you see when you, you know, you're downtown too long and you see homeless people and they haven't eaten, you know, it looked bad. He bulked up, auditioned for the role, let him know, you need me, I don't need you. <laughs> I'm, I'm making stuff up, but he let them know in short, this is my role, you need to hire me. And then later, I, I was reading something about him where he explains that a kid came up to him after he had filmed the first Batman Begins and said, you're my hero. And then later says to him, I'm sorry, and later gives him a hug. Christian Bale says, at that moment, I realized it was the right decision to take Batman. Now you get to the Dark Knight. The Joker. What is a hero without a quality villain? What would Silence of the Lambs be without Hannibal Lecter? Come on now. Heath Ledger's role absolutely changed comic book movies forever and then we we actually want a, a different caliber of acting now in our villains don't we we want a loki we want a killmonger we want a thanos we, we kind of want them to be a little bit darker heath ledger changed the game that was the best comic book villain i had seen Everything they might have done wrong in the past in their ugly phase of DC, they got right with this. And if you know, if you study the stories and look, um, actors like Michael Jai White, who is a phenomenal martial artist, was on scene uh, with uh, Heath Ledger a lot. <laughs> and he said, he's such a great guy. And it wasn't this movie that hurt him and caused him to take those prescription drugs. It was actually Imaginarium and Posium with all the hours and the crazy things that they were doing afterwards that caused him to push himself too hard. And Michael Jai White says he was so fun and, and great to be around that he'd be messing around with the rest of the crew and they'd have to remind him that he's a big star, that he, he needs to go up and film his part with the other guys. 
But Michael Jai White says even him as a very muscular, very athletic martial artist, even himself coming out of a surgery and trying to heal, it's tough. Those prescription drugs take care of it, knock it out. I know this myself from earlier this year, have my wisdom taken out as an older, you know, (laughs) young man. Yeah, once you get once you get out of that high school and college era, you're you're an old man. Getting those wisdom teeth out is a little bit different. It's surgery then. <laughs> and I found that out, especially with my medication. It's tough. You pop those pills as soon as you can get them. But Heath Ledger changed the game up. I mean, he really did. This was a phenomenal performance. I referenced Heath Ledger. Um, Heath Ledger, uh, the Loki... Eric Killmonger and Thanos as the best villains now. And yes, we do have like Magneto and, you know, we've, we've got the other characters that we, you know, go up against, um, you know, in the, in the other Marvel and DC films, but Heath Ledger changed the game up. So that trio was just with the Nolan brothers was phenomenal. That that's where DC got a lot of people back on their side. They did a great job. Constantine, even though people didn't realize it was DC, was another one. And I mean, some of the graphic images in this uh, film were so strong. People just, I mean, they couldn't sleep at night. It was just too graphic. It was too real. But great movie. Big ups to, you know, Keanu Reeves. I mean, he had he had done The Matrix and Matrix Revolutions and, you know, the final film of The Matrix wrapped it up. I believe he even paid people out of his own pocket just to make sure the movie was possible to finish it up. Great martial arts, great editing, great film, great special effects. It got to be a little bit much as as the, the trio came on, but he sat in that role as Superman for a while, as Neo. And, you know, he comes back and does Constantine, which is, you know, a little bit more grounded, rooted toward, you know, his craft um, and, and did a phenomenal job. Um, but, uh, (laughs) for DC, they weren't alone. You know, during this time, we also had, let's not forget Smallville where, uh, the gentleman's name escapes my mind right now. We had a Clark Kent. We had a Superman in Smallville. So DC wasn't alone. They were still doing great in the small screen. Um, but yeah, after that dark night, we kind of went back to the ugly time again. Um, Superman Returns didn't do too well. And what's hard for me is I really like Brandon Routh. I've met him. This is the only Superman that I've met. And God, he's tall. <laughs> or I'm short. Dude, is he is legit Superman. However, it had been too long since the last Superman film for us to really grab a hold of who Superman really is. So what do they do? They give us Superman the love story. There is danger in playing it too safe. There is. And the funny thing was during this time, uh, Smallville was about in the middle of uh, their show, their run of success. You would wonder why not have, you know, the actor from Smallville just play this role 
well, they've got it figured out some way that it just doesn't mix, which I'm like, okay, whatever. But I don't, me personally, I don't feel like the people that watch TV want to go to the movies. But did we really know that? Did the people in the movie world even know that there was a Smallville? The people watching Smallville knows there's a movie universe, but they think, oh, these people aren't going to pay the money to go see Superman when they're watching Smallville. Uh, I don't think you know that. It, it might be helpful to have the fan base promote this movie as well because nobody else knows. I wouldn't have made the connection. You know, if, if I didn't know and didn't care, I wouldn't have made that connection. But there is there is danger in going too safe, and I feel like they just went too safe with this movie. Um, you know, no Kryptonians, no Doomsday. Lex Luthor was, you know, Lex Luthor. <laughs> but it's and it's also hard to find the right villains for Superman because he's so super. He's so super that they had to kill him. Yeah, I said it. They had to kill the man to keep comic book sales. <laughs> so, yeah, how he's too super. Uh Oh, wait, nobody's buying comic books. Nobody's spending any money. Well, what would send a jolt through the comic book world to revitalize everybody to, you know, spend some money? Let's kill him. Now, death and resurrection is uh <laughs> It's not an uncommon theme. We do have a uh, certain man that died and was resurrected and seemed to get a few followers behind him. So if anything, this actually kind of helped the comic book universe. Now, we haven't seen this quite exactly like they had in the comic books, but we did get a version of it. And Superman Returns, they tried. They really did. Um, And (laughs) right around the same time that we get, you know, the 2009 Watchmen is right after we had just come off of the buzz of Iron Man. Now, here's the problem. I loved Watchmen. I loved I love 300. So pretty much anything that Snyder does is great to me. So 300 Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, uh, the Watchmen. I, I, I love his strong, dominant, loud, uh, uh, monster truck style uh, directing. Like, he just goes for it. He's unapologetically masculine, <laughs> if, if you could say it that way. So I enjoy those films. I enjoy what he's doing. But nobody knew who the Watchmen were. So how can you follow and go after something when you don't know who it is? And (gasps) there isn't a running uh, story behind it, you know, where you could put out two, three and four movies and keep people coming back. If they tried, eh, I guess. But I liked it. I liked the movie. I like what they did. It It was fun to, you know, ask people who's better, who's worse, you know. What can Mr. Manhattan do? Who's who's stronger than him? Who can shut him out? You know, all that. But I talked about villains lightly. Villains is another part. 
of the universe that I don't think is. Hmm. I don't think it's explored the way that we think it is. And this is a part of that discussion. DC versus Marvel. You know. Heath Ledger, like I said, set the tone for what a villain really should be by just playing this part to the best of his ability. And if you think about it, these characters embody all the things that we love in our heroes gone wrong. Now, who doesn't know that? Who doesn't know what it feels like to see someone die a hero or become a villain? That's Harvey Dent. So... Villains are important. But like I said, I haven't seen anybody approach this argument from the four corners, which is directing, acting, TV and movies. Let's talk about TV. One of the most important fan bases and followings of these DC and Marvel movies is the cartoon and anime world. Now, you know, the X-Men cartoon, you know, Wolverine and the X-Men years later. And there are even some uh, amazing, uh, you know, Hulk versus Wolverine and Hulk versus Thor and Fantastic Four. There are some great, you know, comics. They also tried with, you know, kind of like the animated universe. But the cartoon world is where I feel the the, uh, comics were adapted to the best of their ability. And they did a great job. Now, here's where it gets a little tricky. This is where Marvel kind of stepped out and decided we're going to pour it all into, you know, products like uh, what we see on the Disney, you know, channel and and Iron Man. DC being dark, in my opinion, is killing it with the closeness to the character how true to the character they're being. The stories that they're doing with Batman are phenomenal. And if you know anything about Disney and the way Disney tells stories, they are phenomenal. They don't mess up on stories. I mean, look at how long they've got us. They, they've got you with the Lion King theater production. They've got you with Lion King the 2019 production, and they've got you with Lion King, the 1994 production, Little Mermaid, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, Snow White, Incredibles, Incredibles 2, Monsters, Monsters 2, Toy Story, Toy Story 1 and 2 and 3. They know how to tell stories. Now, I've watched a few of these with, you know, Iron Man and and Black Panther. It's really amazing stuff. Real cute, real bubbly. DC, however, on the other hand, oh my God. Now, I'm not talking about World War Hulk, those, you know, films. I'm talking about what DC is doing continuously. So I can't bash the great things that Marvel is doing in, in the cartoon animated universe. I'm not bashing those at all. Those are great. What I'm saying is continuously the films they've made based off of Batman in the animated universe, the Justice League in the animated universe, phenomenal. In my opinion, they win. 
Now, you do have like Justice League cartoon and they developed those characters so well that they had something to spring out of with, you know, their individual characters and and what they did. Um, Justice League is dope. It's great. Great episodes. Stay close to the characters. Stay true to the character. Justice League is dope. They did a great job. But then once you get a little bit further down the road into uh, like Bad Blood and Doom, uh, Batman's Doom, Batman's Bad Blood and uh, the Arkham Asylum, it's like, what? You forget that they can do great things <laughs> that DC doesn't have to have an ugly period because they can always come back to this and get you. They can get you back. So one thing I do have to say, and this is why I'm thankful for DC because of these two things, um, not just the cartoon slash animated universe, but the 20 year, 25 plus year history, I think it probably be something like that of Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy versing the uh, voicing the Joker and voicing Batman. Turn on the cartoon as a kid way back in the early 90s. And the voice that you hear as Joker and Batman is stuck in your head for life. It's, it's, it's almost like when you hear uh, James Earl Jones uh, voice as Darth Vader or the lion in Lion King before uh, Mufasa. I'm sorry. Yeah, as Mufasa. You never forget those voices. And so here I am years later playing Arkham Asylum playing Arkham City and Arkham Knight and that same voice as Batman it's like oh my god this is Batman that's this this is the Batman and the Joker such a phenomenal job such a phenomenal job and I'm thankful for that because if you know Mark Hamill's history his voicing talent far exceeds so many others He's done so many voice uh, voice jobs and DC loves voice actors. They, they, they do great with these voice actor jobs. And it's given Mark Hamill work, which I'm going to I'm not going to lie. After uh, Star Wars, Hollywood was mean to him. I don't like that. You know, it's like when you typecast somebody where they can only play Superman they can only play Luke Skywalker. They can only be the blonde with the booze pushed up in the heels. When you typecast them that way, I have a problem with that. Because now you're saying, this is all you are in life. This is all I can see you as in life. Now, true, you might have somebody else in mind for a role, for a character. That's fine. That's fine. But my problem is, no, no one actor should get all the work. Like I know it's like Morgan Freeman and The Rock and, and uh, you know, as actors, it's like they get all the work. We like them. We do. We like them. But it's like when you got actors out here and actresses getting all the work and then you have these actors that we love that you won't let translate into other films. That's just uh uh-uh. I don't like it. It's not fair. I don't care if life isn't fair. I'm saying I don't like it. It's not fair. 
But DC in their cartoon universe gave Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy a place that can never be taken away in voice acting, which was phenomenal. And there are women, same thing. There are women, um, a few that played Desperate Housewives. Uh, there's uh, Dana Delaney. Uh, there is uh, <laughs> so many people that are great in voice acting. There was a Black Panther that came out, an animated Black Panther film that came out uh, maybe about 10 years ago where uh, Jill Scott played the voice of Storm. And now I have nothing against Halle Berry as Storm, as beautiful as she is and as phenomenal as an actress as she is, but Jill Scott killed it. And I love Jill Scott as a singer, as a person. Jill Scott killed it as Storm. Uh, uh, Jaiman Hunsu uh, plays our King of Wakanda, uh, Black Panther, and, and so many other great uh, you know characters voicing uh, roles. So voice acting, great job in the Marvel Universe, but in my opinion, DC Universe uh, uh, wins this one. And now I'm saying that as an X-Men fan, I'm saying that you know, after all the great things I've seen, the individual films that Marvel has made, which are great, um, DC just, I think they put more muscle into this, and I think they get um, the much, uh, much due respect out of it. So, <laughs> yeah, I guess for me, DC, DC wins that. If they haven't won anything in the last couple of years consistently, DC definitely wins that. They won with the Dark Knight. They won with the first two Superman and the first two Batman. They win with the animated universe, in, in my opinion. But the shows, the TV shows. Now, in my opinion, DC has won the TV show universe um, as, as far as live action. You know, not not just voicing, but live action. Um, because of the WE and the CW. And I feel like without Smallville, way back in the early 2000s starting up, you don't get uh, a Flash, a Green Arrow, a Supergirl, a Legends of Tomorrow, Gotham, the show Gotham, um, Black Lightning, Without the success of that show and then even the, the trial of Birds of Prey, you don't you don't get any of the shows on the CW that are now doing great. And I mean, DC, watch out for this. Don't don't let this happen to you, DC. You put Constantine on Friday. This is about two or three years ago that killed him. There, nobody's home on Friday. In my opinion, if I'm DC or if I'm any of these shows, I know how scary this sounds, but you would be you would be better off launching your show in the summer when there's honestly no competition than putting your shows up on a Monday night versus Monday night football. Oh my god, are you kidding me? Or Thursday night football, putting it up on a Thursday. And I feel like that's circularly why we can get away with the NBA having all their shows um, throughout the week. Because we'll watch them. I'll have my chips and salsa 
watch uh, uh, Ernie and Shaq and Kenny and and, and uh, Barkley. I'll watch them, you know, do their shows. Um, because I mean, who who do they have to compete with in the late spring and in the late summer? I mean, what? There's nobody around. So why not just let these people DVR and watch it? I mean, at, at the end of Game of Thrones, the shows that were still on at that time. Um, to my knowledge, are now in great viewership. We need something to watch during the summer. You need to be outside, but you're not going to be outside all the time. It's going to be hot. It's going to be about four hours where you can watch TV every day. Some of that time, you can watch these new shows. One, one, one show uh, that I noticed kind of suffered was The Player. Uh, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but it's an NBC show. He's, he's an NBC kind of ish actor now. Tall, good looking guy. Had some, you know, fighting ability, good acting ability. Uh, Wesley Snipes was a co-star on it. They put this show, I believe, on a Monday with Monday Night Football. Come on, y'all. Let's be smarter than this. You've got all these shows that run during the summer or run... Uh, reruns during the summer for that reason there's nothing wrong with catching up during the summer some ice cream and, and a couple episodes of a show knock that out no problem or you go to netflix and we can we can binge watch <laughs> but the shows i'm absolutely impressed so impressed and so in love with these cheesy Close to the character content shows. I'm loving them. They're awesome. Now, they're, for me, they're not going to translate to the big screen. Not the way the Avengers did. Not the way the Black Panther did and Iron Man and, you know, Ragnarok. They're not going to translate the way the Marvel films did. They, they built a place in time and space that only they have. But I like them where they're at. They're telling the story and they're doing a great job. And I think one day, you know, when these kids get older that watch these shows, they're going to recognize these people and be like, oh, that's Green Arrow. That's Flash or that's Black Lightning. And some of these guys, some of these actors and actresses, they do such a phenomenal job, a great job on this show because they have to be real. They're doing fight choreography. They're doing real martial arts. And you can't speed up the camera and do all that stuff because then you'd be like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, you know, move that fast. Um, Marvel, on the other hand, has S.H.I.E.L.D., which is so bittersweet to me. They, they, they pull me in and frustrate me at the same time because I don't know where they're going. I don't know where S.H.I.E.L.D. is going. And they'll give me hidden gems. They'll touch on things that we've seen in the movies. Nick Fury shows up. Um, you guys have an Ars Guardian show up. Um, Inhumans show up. Um, Hydra takes over. <coughs> they talk about a lot of things and reference a lot of things. And they're their own thing. But the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. bothers me because they're nosy but not nosy enough. S.H.I.E.L.D. should be able to show up at the doorstep of Wakanda. S.H.I.E.L.D. should be able to show up at the hotel building or the building that Fantastic Four owns 
S.H.I.E.L.D. should be able to show up on Spider-Man. They should be able to show up on everybody. And the fact that they don't combine all this, it bothers me. It really does. So, Gifted, excellent. Excellent. We're taking a piece right out of the X-Men world, and and I'm not going to say who it is um, that we're taking that piece from, but excellent. Um, I'm sorry, wait, let me go back. Where we are in this show with Gifted, um, they were very smart. They went to a place where we haven't been, which is uh, uh, now classic for Marvel. They love showing us something that we haven't seen, which is the post, not apocalyptic, but post, uh, post shut down uh, X-Men universe. <clears throat> which is which is always amazing to see because it's like you think about these characters and what you saw in Old Man Logan and it's like well what would you do after that you know what what would you present the world with after or in between uh X-Men uh, Apocalypse or X-Men Days of Future Past and the Old Man Logan time what would happen in between those times Now, you can go with the comic book and stay line for line. That's fine. But in our heads, what would happen if after all these movies have happened, they just say we're done with mutants, away with mutants? What would happen if the government comes after them? uh, Captain America Civil War style or in a. Uh, X-Men Days of Future Past with the Sentinels, with, you know, the service that comes and hunts the mutants. What would happen from that time in between the old old man Logan time? We don't know. So Gifted is a very good show. It's Legion, I'm sorry, Legion that takes a piece of the pie from um, one specific uh, (laughs) X-Man. That it, it blows my mind. This show just blows my mind. And Um, I'm married to a uh, psychology uh, major and we, we really talk about this show. There's things that they play with in this show that show up in reality that involve not just hypnotism, uh, but a little bit of mind control, a little bit of agenda being pushed a certain way, coerced a certain way. Um, So yeah, (laughs) great show, but It's the Netflix universe where I'm sorry, Marvel fans, if you say you love Marvel and you're a Marvel fan, I mean, stand up, make some noise, say something. The only show in this Netflix universe that struggled in its first season was Iron Fist. Jessica Jones was perfect. If you haven't realized by now, superhero films starring a female lead are few and far between. Supergirl was in 1984. Wonder Woman was 2017. That's a long gap. Come on, DC. Marvel Comics. 
Where's your superhero uh, film led by a woman where the woman is the star on the cover alone? Captain Marvel, first one. So, I could be wrong if you're talking about the Dark Phoenix. You want to talk about X-Men The Last Stand. Technically, she is the star. It's all about her. That's okay. Women like it to be all about them. That's okay. But Jessica Jones was dope. Second season, a little slow in the beginning, but I liked it. it it's Jessica Jones. It's Jessica Jones Jonesen. <laughs> Why are more people not talking about this? Luke Cage? Are you kidding me? The soundtrack? Now, if you were a kid like me that couldn't afford all the music, you understand that the soundtrack is the buffet of music that you can afford. And Luke Cage allows a soundtrack just like Black Panther. Luke Cage allows a soundtrack throughout the show that you can load and, and, and load up and enjoy. Dope. Now, we haven't had since Blade a superhero film starring a black actor of quality like this. So to get a show where you get to learn him and grow with him and know him, we saw him in, in, in Jessica Jones a little bit, but Luke Cage, I mean, Kazam, Steel, Hancock. Well, okay. It's not really what I wanted. I love Will Smith, but it's not really what I wanted. And I love Shaq. Shaq is awesome. He's just a great guy. That's not really what I wanted. So, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, eh. Punisher, are you serious? Punisher, are you serious? How are you not talking about this? If you are a Marvel fan, let's go into my Stephen A mode. <laughs> if you are a Marvel fan, and you are not talking about the Punisher. If you are a Punisher fan, it is the equivalent of being locked in. <laughs> Come on now. And I'm saving the best for last. Daredevil. They completely remixed, renewed, refreshed, revitalized everything that they did wrong that you all said in the movies. Come on. What do you want? To make no fuss about this at all, it, it, and you say you're a Marvel fan, blasphemy. So, the show's amazing, excellent. Based on just the Netflix alone, I would say Marvel is better. But if you involve the, the whole DC universe of shows, Smallville all the way up to uh, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, Black Lightning... Uh, all that, I'd say DC wins. They're cheesy, they're fun. Um, now, Arrow isn't. They're actually pretty dark. I mean, the first episode, Oliver Queen snapped somebody's neck. I mean, this is not the Arrow that I, I grew up knowing in, in Justice League and seeing on the, uh, uh, you know, smiling on the cover. Um, but... Marvel has, ha has had their excellence. We've seen nothing like it 
I mean, we've had Harry Potter's, you know, world. We've had Star Wars. We've had Star Trek. We've got Doctor Who, The Walking Dead, Breaking Bad, Fast and Furious films. I mean, the actors, the directors, the community, the creativity, the way they work together, nothing like it. So that's why this new phase, phase five scares me because I'm like, who else are they going to pick on? They had Thanos this time. You're going to go to Doctor Doom. You're going to go to Galactus. Are you going to go small? You know, what are we going to do? Is, 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 are we going to have pocket worlds where, you know, you, you team up with this person to help them do their thing? What are they going to do? Because I looked at the slate of movies that are coming up and I'm like, wow, what are they going to do? So the new horizon of DC excites me, though. Um, what I saw in Wonder Woman, really good. What I saw in Aquaman, definitely good. Uh, Shazam, also great. And, and adoption and fostering is not an easy thing to talk about ever. You take away the superhero ability in the show, that's not ever anything that's easy to talk about. And I felt like they did a great job with Shazam. So reminder, DC fans, DC directors, DC actors, please get in, uh, into agreement with this. Show us something new and good. Show us something new and good. If Marvel can get away with Guardians of the Galaxy, Thor Ragnarok, and Avengers, just take some time to hone your craft. I'm going to serve you up a freebie here. Where are the Robin movies? We've got Nightwing. We've got Red Robin. We've got the Red Hood. And we've got Damien Al Ghul. Why is this not a movie yet? There is a movie we can have just called Robins. Batman has mentored some of the greatest martial artists and fought some of the greatest martial artists in the DC universe. Why is this not a film yet? So last but not least, um, y'all need to pick it up with the women. Pick it up with the minorities. I feel like it's coming, but I mean, we saw the success of Black Panther. There's a reason for that. People want to see someone like them on screen. And at some point, I feel like we will have to see someone that has a disability as a hero. In the show Heroes um, by Tim Kring, they did a great job with this, I, I feel like. And we just need to have a moment where in history, like I said, people like to see someone that looks like them, but we can't keep having these ugly times. And <laughs> as I look through and I see it, I mean, Jonah Hex, come on, DC, Green Lantern. I liked it, but you know, you got whooped up on that one. Suicide Squad, we tried. I know we, I know we love love some Margot Robbie and and that uh, <laughs> uh, Harley Quinn. I mean, they kind of cheated by having a woman that was that beautiful. But please understand, like, she is a quality actress. Um, Justice League, too much sugar, too much too much testosterone, too many steroids. Um, but when we get to this Joker, I feel like. I feel like we're going to hit a really good point 
where we might have to back up with DC and just tell good stories every now and then just to get it right. I feel like the Joker is going to do that. Um, but hey, I mean, Marvel, I mean, you, you did a phenomenal job. There were some ugly times in there. Don't act like they didn't come back. You, you did great. I mean, that Ghost Rider spirit of, of, of vengeance in 2011, eh. And let me say this, Marvel, because you all, mm, this makes me mad. So we've got Marvel Studios, we've got Sony, we've got Fox, and we all know who's been messing up. Because being in New York means, come on now, y'all, don't make me mad. Marvel, Sony, Fox, being in New York means that you have a half, almost half of everybody I mentioned in these films. The Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, Daredevil, Luke Cage, and the X-Men regularly spend time in New York. Come on, y'all. They can't meet at the shawarma place? I can't see Black Widow having coffee with Spider-Man or Spider-Woman or Luke Cage at Starbucks ever. So come on. But I don't know. Pretty much after that, great run. You know, 2012 really set the standard. 2012 really changed things. I know that was supposed to be the end of the world, but it was the beginning of the Marvel Universe making hit after hit. Fantastic Four with, with you know, Michael B. Jordan and... <laughs> And uh, come on, y'all. No Stan Lee cameo. Nobody smiled. I never felt good about this film. I liked it. I liked what you tried to do. But come on now. And I, I kind of feel like with the Fantastic Four films, it, it's kind of a blessing in disguise, even though it, it they do kind of, mm, you know, take us there. Because we got a Johnny Storm in the first Fantastic Four films that later became the Captain America that we love from before to after serum. From all the way in the before the block of ice till the, you know, moments that we got in Endgame. But the next Johnny Storm, Michael B. Jordan, Mr. Creed, became Eric Killmonger. So there's something to be said about Fantastic Four. Maybe with the next film or the next show or however they show them, they'll actually, you know, get it all this time. But from then on, it, it really looks like just nothing but impressive things and impressive wins. And I'm excited about this. I, I, I see nothing but new things on the, on the horizon that look great, that look good. And it seems like people are starting to cooperate with one another because now they realize they have to. And this is where DC has exact, they have no room to not succeed because you have no splitting of studios coming in to, to mess you up, to, to break you up. Anybody at any time can meet in Metropolis, can meet in Gotham, can meet in uh, uh, the, the cities that these heroes are in. And let me say this, last but not least, I know I'm going long and, and I apologize. I won't do it again. Don't hurt me. There are way too many actors that can fill these parts. 
Scott Adkins was your Deadpool in the X-Men uh, Wolverine origin. He was your Deadpool with the sewn shut mouth. With the amazing fighting ability, you wonder why his fighting ability was so good? It was Scott Adkins. You go into uh, uh, Doctor Strange. There's a guy that Doctor Strange is fighting right toward the, the end of the film with this amazing fighting ability. Scott Atkins. As a matter of fact, two of the people that should be used the most in these films, Michael Jai White and Scott Atkins, actually fight each other two or three times in uh, the movie Undisputed 2. Two people that are well in their prime still and amazing uh, uh, amazing talent to, to be in these films. So they have been typecast quite a bit in their martial arts uh, acting films, but you can use them. Liam Neeson, we saw him in uh, Ra's al Ghul. Phenomenal fighter. He's, he's like a boxing champion, martial artist um, from the country that he's from. He's amazing. Jacques-Claude Van Damme hasn't been used yet. Keanu Reeves, he can be used still. We've seen John Wick. We've seen Constantine. We've seen The Matrix. Come on now. I mean, uh, uh, Point Break is what <laughs> Point Break Reindeer Games is, is what Tony kept saying when he would see uh, uh, Thor. So Point Break, that's Keanu Reeves. Um, Will Smith, love to see him in some Marvel or some DC again. Um, I don't think Deadshot is enough for him. That character isn't big enough for him. Um, Denzel, come on. Tom Cruise did audition for Iron Man, but I'm, I'm glad we went with uh, Robert Downey Jr. because we all agree we can't see him in that role. We can't not see him in that role. Iron Man is Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. Um, but yeah, as far as these women, come on. There are women available that will crush and kill these roles. Mila Jovovich, Resident Evil, you're trying to tell me she can't be a Black Widow or Captain Marvel, um, uh, uh, a rogue. Uh, she can't be any of these roles that are just sitting there unused. Kate Beckinsale, Underworld. Rana Mitra, also from, from Underworld. Lucy Liu, you kidding me? Available. Angelina Jolie, Salt. Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Tomb Raider. None of that rings a bell. Kelly Who from X-Men 2. She was, I believe, Lady Deathstrike. Um, Uma Thurman, Kill Bill. Oh, my God. Who in, who in the, the last 10 years has done it like Uma Thurman? I mean, that Kill Bill character was done so well. I honestly want to show my daughter when she's old enough just so she knows, hey, this is how you mess somebody up. <laughs> <laughs> you have to take nothing from nobody. Watch Beatrix Kiddo. Maggie Q. I mean, she's like the classic. Uh, she was Le uh, Femme Nikita. Um, and then Michelle Yeoh. Both of them are like classic, classic uh, uh, female action stars. And I mean, they're just right there. I mean, Cynthia Rothrock from the old school, old school days. I believe if you asked her right now, she would kill any part, crush them. Um, but there's just, there's too many. There's too many people, known and unknown, to use that are quality in these roles. I, for one, think that if you ever do a Craven the Hunter for Spider-Man, you need Scott Adkins. He's Craven the Hunter. He hunts Spider-Man. 
I mean, he's a martial artist, so you'd have that part checked off your list already. And if you look at his movies, he's, he's set up for this. He's ready for this. But, hey, I've gone way too long. Thank you for choosing Make It Plain Wayne. I hope you love me. I love you. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you next Friday.